from 4,000 feet above sea level in Far East West Texas and at sea level in New York City. This is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV ratings. And uh, I'm Robert Seidman, and uh, joining me on the podcast uh, this week is, again, Richard Deitch. Richard, welcome back to the podcast. By the way, Robert, how, thank you, by the way. Uh, how is the uh, title of the podcast now playing uh, publicly? Because we do not see oh, the, the world's fastest-growing uh, sports uh, studio show. We don't see that ad campaign as much as we used to. Yeah, I think it's, 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 uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I thought that the naming convention was really good. When uh, when Jamie was still at FS1, and uh, maybe now it's it's not so good. But uh, it's funny. The other day, I think it was on uh, on, on your boy Fred Siegel's feed. I, I tweeted something, and someone asked me to to, to validate like how, how many I guess the Cowherd versus Libertard podcast. And I said uh, all, all podcast boasting is unaudited. And uh, the the guy shot back. It wasn't Fred, but someone on his feed. Uh, that's exactly what you would expect someone with a podcast called the world's fastest growing sports media podcast to say. So I, I think it's, <laughs> it's good to, uh, to be it in. Is, the, yeah. I was just going to say it is, uh, the one thing as someone who obviously has a podcast, we both do, um, throwing out numbers out into the ether is just funny to me because there's no way to check it. It's all proprietary. Yep. The only people who know anybody's podcasts are the individual running the podcast, or if you work for a company or corporation, the corporation or company, that's producing it or running it. So you could pretty much say, hey, 60 billion people listen to my podcast, and if you never release the uh, numbers, nobody's going to know. That's not to say Colin Carr is not being honest. I'm sure his podcast numbers are excellent, but there's really no way to know anything unless you could really get inside the data at that particular place. Yeah, not only that. I mean, there's just so many ways to gain the system, right? So if, you, if let's say you have a three-hour podcast and you break it into two episodes, well, you can you can increase your downloads by 33% pretty much by breaking it up into three instead of two. And I, that's, that's the kind of gamesmanship I, I think a lot of these uh, companies are playing right now. So it's going to be interesting to see in uh, next month, uh, Apple will be releasing some listener data, uh, you know, via iOS 11. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, like, how many people are actually listening to the podcast versus downloading them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously, I think the um, the download number is going to be higher than the listen number, of course. If you know, if the listen number or or whatever it is, you know, whatever your sort of uh, whatever the metric is, where like if you listen to it for three seconds or download it, right. that counts versus the entire podcast. You know the. Um, I don't have the. I don't have. I have. I get data that is clearly download data, uh, but what I would really love to get would be engagement data uh, because I have no idea if people. I mean, anecdotally, I feel like people listen to my entire podcast, but without the real data, you don't. You don't know uh, you, because it would be. It would be obviously very valuable to know are they listening to like five minutes or are they listening to fifty? Because if you're listening to like a fifty-minute podcast. Well, for an advertiser, that's incredibly valuable because yep. that's significant engagement. Um, that's significant commitment. If it's just playing games where you know you pop the podcast and it's like an autoplay on some site, you get credit for it because it's three seconds. Or, and this has happened to me, I've gone to like the front of Stitcher with my podcast, and it totally game changes the uh, the download numbers into the six figures. But wow. there's no way all those people were listening to uh, the entire podcast. So right. I would love to see. I would love to see the metrics get better because I'm a big fan of the medium. I think it's a great growing medium, but the metrics so far are definitely, um, you know, we got a long way to go. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I originally uh, reached out to you to talk about the uh, the public TV ratings PR war being waged uh, between Fox Sports and ESPN because it fascinates me and it still fascinates me. Uh, but before getting to that, I, I wanted to discuss, uh, I guess, Jimmy Trainer's favorite thing, Colin Kaepernick's impact on NFL ratings. And uh, you reported yesterday that CBS uh, sports chief uh, Sean McManus said uh, we did research and it was relatively proprietary research, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but if I think if you look at some of the reasons why NFL viewership was down last year, that is the reason that's mentioned by a fair amount of viewers. And I was pretty surprised to, to see that quote on multiple levels. And, and I was just wanting to get your take. On, uh, I, I saw your piece, but I, I want to get inside your head and find out what you really think about why he said what he said when he said it. Yeah, I mean, I obviously have a number of thoughts on that. Um, first and foremost, he was prompted by questions from me and another reporter who were talking about um, the their plans for the national anthem uh, regular opening first week of the regular season, right. and you know, journalistically. Uh, and McManus is a pretty journalistically sound um, head of a sports network. And we sort of got into, you know, what are your responsibilities of covering this versus obviously there's a segment out there who doesn't want this mixture. And CBS is going to cover it like a new story. They don't want to sort of overplay it too much because I think McManus believes that there's a large group of people who don't want that mix. So th that's sort of where it was coming from. So, so first and foremost, it's not like he went out and volunteered this. He was gotcha. getting prompted. He's a, he's a, I, fear, I find him to be a pretty honest guy in that space. And so he answered the question. When he said that, I was very surprised because I have not heard any network executives at his level uh, specifically say that. They may believe it, but I haven't heard anybody verbalize it. There are other people within the NFL media circles, producers who do games, directors, uh, broadcasters, who absolutely believe that um, – Kaepernick's uh, anthem protest was a factor in ratings dropping. I honestly don't believe any of those people, even those who believe it, don't believe it to be any significant factor. They, they just believe it to be a factor and likely a small factor. But McManus is the first one who said it, and I was surprised at that. And then secondly, obviously, I was surprised at the fact that he said, although he didn't really go into any kind of detail, that they had um, – you know, they did some kind of research and some kind of internal survey – where they found that that uh, viewers were not uh, happy with this. You know, I, I'm going to try to get more detail on what that survey was. My, and again, this is my inference. My inference was not that he they went out and polled people. My inference is that they were judging this on people who may have called them to complain during the year about stuff. But I, I, I don't. See. Again, I, I don't know that. So I, that that is just my inference from the conversation, but we did not, and this is probably my fault, we did not get very deep into the survey data, and he was very emphatic that um, he believed it to be a slight factor, and then he went into, and this is very similar to our, our, our boy Mike Mulvihill at Fox, he went very detailed into the fact that he believed the presidential election and all the coverage around that was far and away the biggest factor. He also discussed uh, quarterbacks being out at the beginning of the year, Romo, Peyton Manning retired, and then he went in. And, and again, this is all sort of tracking what I think a lot of the TV people said, uh, very uh, middling to bad games at the beginning of the year. So the one interesting thing there was just that he verbalized it. And I had not, whether it was at Fox, whether it was NBC, 
whether it was the NFL Network, you know, whether it was ESPN, none of these other partners, top people have ever verbalized that the Kaepernick anthem uh, was a factor. Again, and I think, Robert, I've said this on your podcast and others, I, I do not believe it to be any kind of factor. Uh, it, I, I will, if I'm being naive or if I'm in my you know, East Coast liberal bubble, I'll take the hit on that. But my, my reasoning is just, is just very simple. If you are a fan of the Vikings or the Bills or the Jets or the Cowboys, it seems inconceivable that you would not be watching your favorite team wherever you live because a quarterback 2,000, 3,000, 1,000 miles away is making this protest. But if there is some kind of outliers where there are some people who are so turned off and decided not to watch, you know, I, I, I tip my hat and say it is conceivable. It's just hard for me to believe that those numbers would be great just given how how much – people are into their own teams in their own market. Yeah. I, you know, I realize I should be fair to CBS and, and withhold uh, speculation until uh, I have a better idea of what their proprietary research is. But, you know, honestly, for me, it's like if it's any kind of polling data, like I just have a, I have a hard time with, with bringing it up at all in any context, even if you asked them. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, you know, I saw that report, the JD power survey, um, from not too long ago, which mentioned as a factor. And again, you know, I, I'm not a survey or polling expert, and I don't think you are either. But there, there are ways to ask questions in which to get certain results and data. I, I think in this case, there is such a big and easy target to to glean from, and that is the most polarizing, divisive, most overcovered presidential election of our lifetime, featuring the most untraditional, polarizing candidate of our lifetime. And so it just logically makes sense that that is what sucked up enough viewers to make, you know, the 7 8% viewership de- decline on top of some of the other reasons that I mentioned earlier that McManus mentioned. Um, I believe the ratings are going to be up this year. If they are down again like 7 8%, then I'll concede – my lens is way off on this, and I got to figure out what else it is. But I, I think the numbers are going to be back up to um, you know pre-election fervor, uh, with the exception of one thing, and that is if again the news from Washington is so crazy on certain primetime nights yeah. that while it's not you know presidential election stuff, it's just craziness going on with the Trump administration. So that would be my only caveat. But I. You know, I see the schedule, I see the preseason numbers, and everything indicates to me that the numbers are going up. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. So, so for me, that you know, the the only thing that kind of caught me off guard was, I, I don't think at any point did I doubt that there were people who didn't like it, right? So, I, I think you know we could do our own polling, even if we don't know how to poll, and we'll call people and they'll tell us we don't like that people kneel for the anthem. Uh, so, the, I don't think there was ever any doubt that to some people don't like it. I th- what, what's in doubt is Im- impact on the rating. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, first of all, I think th- this is where I will knock myself. I think I underestimate how many people are really turned off by that. And I think that's a product of me living in New York City. I totally can see that. But you hit, the, you hit all of this on the head. It's one thing to, to dislike and to be against, including even politically against this. It's a whole other thing then to take that feeling and not to watch the game. And that's where I think the disconnect exists. Exactly. That 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 is where I am. Okay. So let's uh let's uh move on 
uh, to the public PR wars. Uh, it started, I believe, with uh, Fox Sports EVP of Research, uh, Michael Mulvihill, uh, tweeting out some calendar year-to-date, year of Well, I mean, it's, I, yeah, let me interrupt you. It starts way before that, of course, in, you know, in, in, in Fox Sports personalities going after ESPN, in Fox Sports executives in 2013 saying ESPN isn't fun and we're going to – uh, you know, I, I, like we we should talk about the specifics of what's going on now. But this war has been going on for a long time, is all I'm saying. That we're just seeing a mani- much more public manifestation of it via ratings right now. Uh, correct, and, and that 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 is that is right. So so in the the last week or so, um, it, it, you know, Mike Mike tweeted out some numbers that basically showed, you know, FS1 is flat year over year. ESPN was down. I think you know total day seven percent. You know, uh, you know, through through that whatever point in August it was at the time. So then, and I, I don't think it was any coincidence. ESPN PR put out a barrage of all the ways we cr- crush uh, itty bitty FS1, and uh, that ESPN is still huge el- relative to FS1 isn't new to anyone who follows this stuff regularly. Uh, so, with a couple of exceptions, uh, and I'll get to those later. The numeric content that's not that interesting to me, but the public. Uh, you know, uh, proliferation of uh, ratings back and forth. Uh, it was just fascinating to me. I haven't been following the space that long, so I've never really seen anything quite like it. Uh, what what the heck is going on? Well, you know, ratings wars have been going on. I mean, again, I, I don't I don't go back to the Marnsky days and before that. So you know, all this stuff started before my time. Uh, Fox and ESPN have always had a historic rivalry. Interestingly enough. Um, both have sort of had the underdog status at different points. You know, ESPN used to sort of, you know, ESPN was was at one point the ultimate underdog cable. They were doing, you know, basically America's Cup racing and like right. darts. They didn't have anything when like the CBSs and the NBCs were the top dog. Fox came in in the mid-90s. They had all this money. They like to think of themselves as the insurgents, but they were still um, not as insurgent, I think, as ESPN. So, uh, the, the, the larger context is the, the 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 network PR staff's been going back and forth for a long time, throwing ratings out. You know, Fox will always trump that its late afternoon game is the biggest programming uh, of anything on linear television, which is true. Uh, ESPN is obviously going to push whenever they have a big number, whether it's the college football championships, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so we get to. Um, we get to the start of FS1. FS1 basically was mocking ESPN for being too bloated, too hubristic. Some of that, a lot, a lot of that's true, by the way. Uh, you know, I remember when I went to their launch uh, uh, for media buyers. FS1 made fun of ESPN's obsession with Tim Tebow. Totally true again. <laughs> so I'm just trying to basically give you, Robert, the setup that, like, while they've worked together, these two companies historically have been rivals because they both have a ton of money and they both want viewers, uh, sports viewers. They both, you know, FS1 wasn't started to be the next CBS Sports Network. FS1 was started that hopefully one day, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, it would be an ESPN rival if not surpass them. So that's where all this starts. Um, Heading to modern day, ESPN is clearly, uh, again, ESPN is not made up of one person, so I'll be more specific. The public relations staff and ESPN management is clearly ticked off at what they think has been a coordinated effort by Fox Sports One, by Fox Sports, I should say, executives uh, via a lot of Fox Sports and Fox Sports Radio personalities to um, to tag them for many different things, including being too left leaning, right. including making a lot of decisions that are uh, 
you know, just based in political correctness. And ESPN does a lot of stuff, quite frankly, that's self-inflicted. It's very easy to knock them all the time. So that's sort of the basis of that, where it's gotten interesting. And, and as a general rule, ESPN sometimes fires back, but, but most of the time they haven't. And a lot of that is because they, are, they have always been way too a reactive organization, in my opinion, when it comes to public relations. But something has now switched in the last, I feel, week and a half, two weeks. Now, could you point to uh, ESPN being really, really ticked off at, at Clay Travis and the Robert Lee story? Maybe, but I think that's just part of it. I think that ESPN, particularly their executives and particularly their PR department, I think just hit a wall saying that we're tired of basically not fighting back. We're getting our ass kicked on narratives, including, by the way, self-inflicted narratives. They, they deserve a lot of blame, and they Am I allowed to curse? They totally fucked up the Robert Lee thing, even though I don't think it was uh, an overt political correctness play. I think it was just them being so afraid of being mocked in social media. And so they have made it a clear decision in terms of the PR department, but the PR department does not make any decision without having the executives above them, including at the Connor Shell, John Skipper level, yep. to give the green light. And now they are going after FS1, knowing that they can blow them out of the water when it comes to for the most part, ratings uh, head to heads, and that's why you are now seeing e you are now seeing ESPN PR being incredibly aggressive in the space. Mike Mulvihill, of course, somebody who we both respect and like at Fox, he's their ratings guru. Anytime the uh, Fox Sports PR back in the day, Dan Bell and Lou Delmilio would come up with something incredibly creative as to how they were beating ESPN. It wasn't those two nicks; it was Mike Mulvihill right. feeding uh, feeding them all this stuff. So. Mova Hill has now tweeted out stuff, and you saw ESPN PR fire back. Not just fire back, but fire back on top of his tweet. Right, at him. So the way I, yeah, so the way I read this, this is just my read. I'm not saying I'm 100% I'm right, but I, I gotta feel like i got a pretty good feel here. There's been a dramatic philosophical shift at ESPN where the executives and the PR department have now made a coordinated decision – that they are going after Fox Sports 1's ratings in the public marketplace. There is a, um, you know, there's one school of thought that if you're the big dog, you never acknowledge the little dog. WWF should not acknowledge WCW. Right. The other counter thought is if you, get, if you get punched in the face enough times, you either lie down or you get back up and punch back, even if you're the giant. And they basically have now decided to punch back. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, Mike's not really a PR guy, but uh, if, you know, if this is Fox PR versus uh, ESPN PR, the the inside baseball guy in me is given is given Mulvihill the win. Uh, and I, I can talk about why I, I am given. Yeah, given I don't, I, I'd love to. I'd be curious as to why you do that. Uh, OK, so 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 two reasons. Um, so the 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 ESPN versus FS1 conversation uh, I, I do think ESPN will win that battle and uh, and ultimately you know come out on top in in, in this war in in terms of public perception um, for for you know for for most people but but for me as a kind of you know looking looking inside the thing that Mike did I thought was really interesting was he took he took the 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 look that was okay here's total consumption if you take Fox uh, sports on big Fox plus FS one plus all the RSNs. And here's our total minutes of consumption 
versus the same thing for ESP, primary ESPN plus uh, live sports on ABC. And that gap is narrowing a, a lot. And it's a really interesting way to look at it. I, I, I'm, you know, probably because, you know, a, a lot of the way I think about the business is because uh, because I kind of learned from Mike on uh, how he looks at the business. Uh, that that look is is really compelling to me. And um, and it's a it's a really good story for Fox, you know, all of Fox to tell in, in that dimension. And the other thing. And, and it, this is just something that happens in sports media, and I understand why it happens. I just think somehow the, the RSNs get left out of the mix, right? Because any individual RSN is, is tiny compared to ESPN. But when you roll up all the RSNs in the, in the country together, they are a big, big network if you look at them that way. And, uh, and, so, and so what Mulva Hill's doing has kind of captured my interest from that way. And I think that's just a really, really good way to look at it. But I, I, I think there will be few people like me. I think most will say, look, ESPN, 12 times bigger than FS1. I think that bullet that uh, Soltis sent out this morning will, will play well. And, uh, and I think that's what people will remember. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you 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 make a compelling point, and Fox has a great story. I mean, their RSN business is phenomenal. It doesn't get talked about enough, so I agree with Mulvey Hill on that. And I, uh, you know, I respect him as a thinker and a ratings person in the business. I don't think there's um, there's any question at that. I, I don't. I guess the, I'm not even sure. I don't really necessarily disagree with you. I just don't think Mulvey Hill is a factor here. He's he's what this is ultimately going to be about is a larger PR narrative fs1 versus espn and I, I don't know if i mean the only winners i think are like me you and Orand, who are just <laughs> enjoying the battle back and forth but but the 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 what the the one thing i think you would be missing here and again everything you said about mobile home fox's business is correct they are narrowing the gap um they're going to have a great fall college football schedule they're going to get good numbers in certain places no no argument on any of this the only thing I think you are missing is I think there's a lot of value in-house at ESPN for the PR department to do this because I think there's – from a lot of the employees I talk to, they they are tired of getting – being part of of people beating them up publicly. And it's been a long time since they feel like their PR department has fired back, and I think that that will be great value to ESPN employees. And maybe that's sophomoric. And maybe that's like a little professional wrestling, but I can tell you that I hear from big name employees at ESPN when the PR department sends something back and they say something to the effect of fucking it's about time. We're tired of, of knowing that we're beating the shit out of these guys in certain time slots and it never gets promotion. So I think there's personally a lot of institutional value there in terms of the larger story to the market. Uh, yeah, I think Fox has an excellent story to tell in the same way in certain parts that ESPN has a story to tell. In the end, the public is – if they even remember anything, is going to be remembering very little. There are just – there are so few people outside of the business of sports media who really are sort of as deep in the weeds as someone like you. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're not incorrect in that. If if the I don't even know how to do, you know I don't like when like people on Twitter or like the Twittersphere says or Twitter because it's nonsense. It's right. your your Twitter feed is made up of just self-selected choices by you. But if like there's anything to be remembered, it will generally be like you know some one stat that somebody um, remembers. You know, in the same way, and I you know we've talked about this on previous podcasts. Like people will. Uh, 
you know, p- p- Undisputed has um, gained some audience in the last couple months. You know, they've moved up yeah. from the low hundreds into the mid 120s, mid 150s. But as a general rule, a lot of it because of me. If you're going to remember any stat, rating stat about Undisputed, writing that they're getting their ass, they're getting their ass kicked by Bubble Copies and Paw Patrol. So the larger point is you can you can narrative all this stuff in different. Um, in different ways. What, what, here's what I would say, Rob, because you're really into this as something to watch. Two things, in my opinion. One, Fox is going to continue to let Mobile Hill put stats out. Uh, historically, they've been really good about letting their employees do whatever they want. It's one of the reasons people really like working for Fox. And two, anybody in Fox Sports PR are going to take the lead here to counter back. Over the last two years, uh, as people in the business know, they have lost four senior public relations people, including the two people who, three people, if you want to include Eliana Pena, yeah. who essentially ran the department of their most senior. So is there anybody from Fox Sports PR, uh, who, and they have PR chiefs now, although they're not very visibly public, will any of those people step up, try to counter what ESPN PR is doing, start back-channeling reporters about this stuff? That's something I'll be interested to see. Yeah, that, that, th- those are both great points, as, as was the, uh, the point that I was sort of missing the uh, – the uh, the impact on employee morale at ESPN that there's actually some 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 good benefit of the the PR department doing this as far as that employee morale yeah and, 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 I totally and, and, buy I mean, that I didn't, yeah I didn't interrupt you I'll just one really quick one and it's and they should because the PR department at ESPN is not always popular with its own people right they feel a lot of times that PR is screwed up so if you can do anything to get your employees thinking that you know they're you you're they're you know the PR staff is with them all the time and have their back. That's incredibly valuable for PR. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Okay. So I, I want to try something here. And if, if, if it blows up miserably, I'll just, I'll just delete all this out of the podcast, but um, I, I want to try and see if I can start like talking about uncomfortable subjects in a way that is productive. And uh, in your podcast yesterday with, uh, with, or not yesterday, yesterday, Seth Davis and uh, Seth Davis and Stu Mandel and were Stu yesterday. Mandel. So, so Seth said something and, and as soon as he said it, I, I wanted to push back really hard, and I thought about it more and more, and I still want to push back really hard, and uh, I thought maybe you'd be a good person to, to push back on it with. So what he said was, um, and, and, you can, and you can make this more precise if, if I don't have the, uh, the, the spirit of it downright, but he said something like that when he hears um, your Twitter feed is too political, what that really means is – uh, you're, I don't agree with your politics, right? And so, so the, the, the message that I got from, from Seth was when he hears that, all he thinks is that is mostly that that's coming from people who dis- disagree with his viewpoint. So I, I want to put out a worldview. Uh, I want to put it out there into the world that there are a lot of people, I think, and I'm one of them. I really, I would prefer in my Twitter feed to not see any of it, not on the right, not on the left, not on the center. And, uh, you know, it's impossible to mute everything out and still have any, anything, uh, in, in your Twitter feed. But I, I'm just wondering, you know, what your thoughts on, on that are, am I an outlier or, 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 or do you think maybe there's just a large group of people who really just wants to ignore politics on Twitter altogether, whatever the, whatever the sides are. Yeah, I don't think you're an outlier. I think that's a legit argument. Um, I think Seth, I mean, again, you'd have to ask him directly, but I think he said that a little bit because he he is so engaged in politics that I think, um, and I think he'd even admit this, it's, he's very sensitive to anybody sort of coming at him because I think he, 
it puts he's in a def, he's you know he could be he can be in a quick defensive crouch because I think he has a lot of people who come at him because they disagree with his politics, not because they don't want politics on a feed. And I think part of that, of course, is because Seth is the son of Lanny Davis. He is unapologetically political. He is very much a member of the Democratic Party, and he may be, you know, I mean, there's some others, Bruce Arthur, but I mean, Seth may be the most well-known national sports media figure who is politically oriented on Twitter. I, I, I might have that wrong, but he's in the top five, just given the fact that he's on CBS Sports on TV and now at The Athletic. So, um, so I think that's his POV. But you, no, I, I think there are a lot of. I mean, listen, I get um, I get um, I, I'm not I'm, I'm politically oriented on my feed, not as much as Seth, but I get that a lot. I get a lot of people who sort of say, I really would like you just to stick to sports media and to stick to sports. I don't want Twitter to be a place of politics. And I'll always have that civil conversation with people because I think that's a legitimate viewpoint. I'm not going to change because it's my feed sure. and I feel like um, I feel like I'm a citizen first before a sports media or sports illustrated employee. But I think that's totally legit. And I think I don't think you're um I think I think there are a lot of people who want sports and then by extension social media of sports to be away from politics. So I think in that sense, I think Seth's answer was a little defensive, but to sort of give him a little bit of the uh, benefit here, I think it's defensive because I think he probably deals with the, the extremes. I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of what he says absolutely brings some anger to people who are on the other side. He's very, very polarizing because he has a, um, a very definitive point of view. So I hope that answers your question. But you're, I, I, I'm with you. I think there are. I do not think you're an outlier here. I think there are. I mean, I don't know if you're in the majority, but you're not an outlier. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, in in uh, in Seth's defense, I, I guess I really hadn't considered that uh, that uh, you know just as a, just from being so highly visible um, and 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 being so outspoken and not backing down at all from being outspoken. He's kind of trolling the extremist on the other side. So he's seeing a little bit. And keep it, I mean, keep it, keep in mind he's, he, he comes from a, I mean, this is a political family. I mean, his, his dad was counsel to a president once. Yep. So like, he's not, he is, he's an absolute, he's an outlier in terms of a sports media person, because even the sports media people who are political, he, to me is on the, he's on the way, way, even to the left of them. You know, I'm I'm surprised here, Richard. So I uh, I uh, I didn't think I would be able to keep you to to around a half an hour with the with the questions. No, that I, I mean, had. it's you're I paying did. me so much money, so I feel like I have to like you know earn my dollars. Here. I I, I, I who else I, is on the podcast today? Is it just me, or are you getting a, a Ryan Glassbeagle from the big lead, or <laughs> Chad Finn? Who else is on the Who else is on? This? You know, I, so I I don't know. That One I of your even, PR guys from ESPN. Uh, you know, I I should have it should have been it should have been Volner. I should have called Volner and had him. Uh, would, you, would you like to, Would you like me to give you a tip uh, for a potential guest? I don't know if they would do it, but if you could get a Fox Sports PR person and an ESPN ESPN PR person to do the podcast at the same time, you would get a you. you I bet you that would be your highest listened to podcast because you'd have a lot of people in the business checking that out. Yeah, I think just just from from Bristol alone would make that the uh, the most downloaded podcast maybe. Um, 
So, so Richard, I, I don't want to take up more of your time because I, I, I appreciate you being good to me. But, you know, you, you, you brought up Tim Tebow and, and ESPN covered him too much. And I, I just want to talk about him for, for, for a second only because, like, I have a weird reaction to Tim Tebow. I'm, I'm like an atheist and I, I think his foundational premise is nonsense. But I still love Tim Tebow. And I, I think he, he, he walks the talk of what he believes. And uh, I think he's a very compelling figure. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the anti-Lavar Ball. But I can't get enough of Tebow either. Is, is that crazy? No, I agree. I think Tebow's great. Um, uh, I, by the way, I, I, not only do I think he's uh, fascinating athletically, I got no problem with him proselytizing his viewpoint. Uh, he has that right. I respect uh, athletes who um, are political and discuss their uh, political and social issues. So I have no problem when athletes who are religious do it. So I, I, I think Tim has every right to use his platform to do that. And to me, the thing that I really appreciate about him, as you said, he walks the walk and he clearly loves sports. He clearly, um, he clearly wants to try to get the most out of his athletic body before that body breaks down, as, it, as all bodies inevitably do. So I got immense amount of respect for him to go for uh, a baseball career. Do I think he's ever going to make the majors? I mean, outside of the Mets just bringing him up for, like, some publicity, no. But I think he's already done far more in baseball than I think most people ever expected uh, to get promoted, to not be a sideshow. So I, I think he's great. I, I, I really, um, you know, I, I don't always find him compelling. Like, in terms of I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's incredibly nice and thoughtful. I, I, I think he can be a little um, – What's the word I'm looking for? Not even uh, – he's not a fake at all. He's just almost uh, – he's he's not as as interesting to me, I guess, as other uh, people are who have sort of led different lives. But I I like the guy, and I think he's been in the spotlight for a long time. And then lastly – and this is always the case with me when it comes to athletes – he does things for others selflessly. And it's not just for PR. Like, you know, his work when he's done missions is legit. The guy's traveled to other countries to help. He just didn't put together a foundation, throw it up on a billboard, and then basically leave either others to work for it or, you know, take all the money and just turn it into administrative costs. So I I, I got no problems with people who like Tebow. He's one of the great college football players of all time. Um, I think athletically he's – uh, been cut when he should, and athletically, the people like who have um, charted him in baseball, who have said he can only get to this level, I think are being fair. But as a, just a compel- as a figure in sports and and as a person, I, I think he's great. And by the way, lastly, I think he's been a far better broadcaster than anybody would have ever anticipated. I really appreciated his work for the SEC Network. He um, he prepared, and it totally showed on air. I agree. Hey, Richard, before I get out of here, do you want do you want to give Alexa another shot? We haven't tried her in a while. Uh, I can do that if you want, but it never seems to work. Okay, well, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll give it a try. Hang on a second. Uh, so, unfortunately, Alexa didn't work for Richard. Alexa didn't work for me when I tried it. You can try it at home and see if you can get Alexa to play the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with Richard Deitch uh, by voice command. You can do it through the Alexa app. But anyway, uh, in the process of trying to get the Alexa thing to work, I actually am stupid and I screwed up Richard's exit so you don't get to hear hear me thanking him or Richard saying goodbye. And I apologize for that because Richard 
uh, is a great guest. Uh, I enjoy having him on the podcast very much, and uh, the response uh, when he's on is always very good. And so I really appreciate uh, Richard giving me his time. So Richard, thank you. And uh, I hope even though I'm a dope of an engineer, you will still come back on the podcast. And uh, you can check out uh, past podcasts with uh, Jay Onray, uh, who makes his uh, return to uh, the Canadian Airwaves on uh, Monday, September 4th, along with his uh, partner, Dan O'Toole. And uh, also a podcast with Rick Cordella, head of NBC uh, Sports Digital, which was uh, very interesting, particularly for the soccer fans who... Uh, are playing around with NBC Sports Gold, Sports Illustrated Jimmy Trena, and uh, Freezing Cold Takes Fred Siegel. You can download all the podcast, all the past podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening. Alexa, play the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. I can't get the program Sports Illustrated Media with Richard Daichi from TuneIn right now. Alexa, play the Sports Illustrated Media podcast. I can't get the program Sports Illustrated Media from TuneIn right now. Alexa, play the SI Media podcast with Richard Daichi. I couldn't find I, Media with Richard Daichi.